Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my get. I gotta tell you, people, I have I have a great new sponsor. I got a great new sponsor. You know, I'm only as hip as my guest, but I'm getting hipper. I've got a new single serve coffee combo from Cafe Ballet. Their brewers are inexpensive, as little as twenty five dollars for a brewer and a ten sample coffee pack, or it's just twenty dollars when you use the discount code Cooper. That's right. If you go to their website and use Cooper, you get five dollars off. Compared to other single soft single serve coffee systems, you can save up to a hundred bucks. With Cafe Ballet, it's a great tasting cup of coffee brewed in just minutes. Just the way I like it. And I like decaf. They have decaf every time. So how's that for hit, people? So go to CafeValet.com and use the code COOPER and save even more money. That's right. CafeValet.com. The coupon code is COOPER to get this combo for just $20. I'm telling you, man, this is good, good coffee. So get it. I like. I, I love the decaf. I wake up every morning. Joanne's a tea drinker. I bought one of these things because the French press gets a little hard. You know, you sit there. You, my guest is Brian Scalaro. Hi. Are you, are you a coffee drinker? Not at all. No, not at all? Isn't that interesting? So when the smell hits my my nose, I used to go, nah. But it's funny because co- most comedians are coffee drinkers. Yes, they are, yeah, all the yeah, time. yeah. I, uh, I use, uh, I have about like five Red Bulls a night. I'm going to have a heart murmur. No, do you do, you really, do, do, you do the Red Bull? Yeah. I, well, that's the only way I can do I'm 42 now. So when these are like these 10 o'clock shows, these 1030 shows, I'm on stage at midnight or whatever. I'm like, I, I fucking, I'm tired. Isn't For some it, reason, my body wakes up at 6 a.m. on its own, and I don't know why. I know. It's so funny. I'm the same way now. I think it's because we're getting older. I'm 52. It must be. And I sit there, and I swear to God, I'll, I'll lay down, and I'll, I'll watch I'll watch TV. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't make it past, like, the 9 or 9.30 show. But mm-hmm. I wake up at, like, 4.30 because, you know, we get older. We have to pee. Then yeah. we get up, and then, and then I try to get back to sleep. And I wake up early, and I'm thinking, wait a second. And when I did a show the other night... I did it at Flappers. Right. I haven't been on stage forever. Thank God it was a 7 o'clock show. Because right. for you, yeah, because you're on the road all the time. Constantly, last year especially, and the year before. But last year I was on 40 weeks in a row. You know what? I wake up at 4 a.m. because my body's got to pee. I'm worried that the rest of the body parts are going to be like, hey, we're open for business. Let's uh, let's take a shit. Let's jerk <laughs> off. I'm like, no, we're fucking still sleeping. Then my mind starts thinking about everything I ever did wrong. Right. I start thinking about like an ex-girlfriend who completely fucked me over eight years ago, but I'm like, I just gotta get up. I know that's I. We always do. Yeah. I think it's because we're we're creative. Because I do it. I always worry about. Okay, okay, you know, income. I need to get more. I need to get more income coming. Yeah, that, that and, and you worry, yeah. and you're like, wait a second. I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm never gonna go homeless. You know, I mean, that's like that's the one thing. You know, some people think about that, but I know, you know, why it, why would you never go homeless? Because because you're married. No, I'm not married. My girl. girl. No, but I, I, if worse came to worse, I, I would move into my sister's den uh, in in Virginia. Now it would be in Virginia, yeah. which I have nothing against. But I mean, or I would always say, you know what? Hey, you know, if, you know, Joanne, you gotta go back for a little bit. I'll, I'll stay with my brother in Manhattan because my niece right. is going to college. Yeah, I have a brother too. Yeah, so yeah, I think he's gonna have a heart murmur as well. No, I have a. <laughs> I'm I ha- talking about homeless. Though. <laughs> no, I, I have I have an irregular heartbeat. Yeah, I know, and it's weird. But now that happened, and I, they you take the medicine, but your heart's like. It's weird. Yeah, interesting. So what have you been up to, man? I know the last time you were on, okay, this, yeah. is, this is last time you were on. Four years ago, right? If you don't know yet, Brian, uh, very, very funny comic. Thanks. He's, he's known, uh, He's he gets recognized as the, uh, the the guy with the hand in the grinder on Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> Not really. That's happened twice. But that's same, but it's just. But usually yeah. people go, who were you on Grey's Anatomy? I go, the guy. My brother had his hand on the grinder, and they go, "Oh, I remember you." But, that's, but that doesn't matter. Well, last time I talked to you, it was when Sullivan and Son was going to start. I was, a few yeah, months, I was on Sullivan and, and the first season. And you were a Pittsburgh fan. Which... Uh, are they made? I played one. No, yes. are, no. Are you are you a sports fan? No, I don't like sports or coffee. Okay, do you like when sports hits my nose? I go, ah, yeah. nah. <laughs> no, no. I just, uh, I don't think. I think it was because I wasn't good at it. And then I eventually discovered marijuana and performing, and I just fell out of it. How did you get into comedy? I mean, what year was it when you started to get into this whole thing? I was in comedy stand-up, you mean, or yeah. comedy in general? Okay. Well, or or knew, when you knew you wanted to take this path, because I was in I was in first grade when I figured that out, and in fifth grade is when this when I thought about stand-up. But in first grade, I, I always wanted to do comedic acting. Why? What did you see that brought you onto it? Marx Brothers. My father loved my father loves movies, and so does my mother. And uh, my father showed us Abbott and Costello, Laurel, a lot of Laurel and Hardy, a lot of Marx Brothers. And my mother showed me Bill Murray, John Belushi, all those guys. So between the two of them, you know, I was like, I'd like to do that. Because they made me feel so special. So I wanted, like, I wanted to give people that kind of joy. There's really a few, you, know, you eat a really nice sandwich, or if a girl is uh, having sex with you, and then there's laughing. It's right. like those three things feel great. You know what I mean? And what kind of sandwiches do you like? Oh man, I mean, I'm listen. I'm a big fan of. Uh, I'm from New York, so I like sausages and peppers. But I haven't had one of those in ages because I live here now. If 
If you ever, hey, you got the phone. No, that wasn't mine. That was yours, I think. No, that's all right. No big deal. So, so, no, so you, you, you were growing up, and so as a kid, when you're in first grade, you say, I want to do this. Right, right. Now, how do you start doing stand-up in fifth grade? First of all, I'm still on the sandwich question. Big Macs okay. are great. I'll eat a Big really? Mac. I'll eat a Big Mac in front of everybody. I'll, I'll just stand you, in front of a woman and eat a Big Mac. I'll tell you the best fast food burger. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Go ahead. The best. and you can. People will always go in and out. No, I'm going to tell you the best. I agree. Good job. No. The bacon double del del taco. Uh, that is good. I've had that. It's so good. People yeah, are like, yeah. "Why would you get it there?" I, I had a friend one time. He said, "He said, he said we got it. we were drinking." He's like, he, and I tried it when I was sober, yeah. and it was still good. But he's like, "You got to try it." I got it. My friend Benny's like, "You got to try it." Like, but you know, so we go back to my place. He goes, "If you don't like it, you know, you don't have to pay for it." Right. So I ate it. Wow. And I went. I went. Damn, this is damn. And it was mm-hmm. a damn good burger. It's a great burger. You know what I like to do? I like to get in the quarter pounder, right? And then I'll open it and I'll put French fries all along it. And so it gives us some texture, and I'll put the bun back on, and I'll have a great time. That's a good sandwich. You know, yeah, it, yeah. it's weird to stuff because you know these whole secret menus. We don't know that, but I, I saw it like on on online. Like you can go to McDonald's and they had one. I forget what it was. It was like amazing. It was like you put some burger, like you get a a, a Big Mac, and you put a chicken. That's or, a yeah. That's a McGang Bang. Okay. There's a off. There's there's no, seriously. <laughs> there's a ten. Off the, I think it might be twenty off the menu uh, ordering, whatever they're called. There's, there's twenty items you can get off the menu. Like I tried to memorize them because I wanted to have them, but I haven't done one yet. It's weird, cause, but then you feel like a dick when you go in, because you know there's a guy sitting there who hates his job, yeah. and you go, "Hey man, I saw it on the uh, online." And He's go, got to look it up. Yeah. They're gonna go, what, "What did you see online?" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I, I saw, yeah, I saw this online, but that's not happening. Right, right, right. So, so, uh, so, so I, was, I just, I just loved it. I just wanted to do what to do that. In fifth grade, I um. I discovered George Carlin and Bill Cosby, and I was—I I loved the two of them. My my mother had a couple of Bill Cosby albums, and my father and they had all these George Carlin albums. My friends did, and uh, Bill Cosby himself and George Carlin playing with your head came out back to back on HBO right around the time of Ghostbusters, and I was like, "This is the fucking best shit I've ever seen." I just couldn't believe one person could hold everybody's attention like that. In a fun way and make people, and it just seems so powerful and fun, you know. But really, it, it's uh, acting is a little more fun for me because there's no bachelor party interrupting you. you right. Know what I mean, you're reading you're reading lines on a show. There's, you don't have to deal with a crazy club owner. Now, now, did you go to college? Yeah. Now, where where did you go? Upstate New York in a town called New Paltz. Okay. State University of New York in I know, New Paltz. I know that school. It's now like the new Berkeley. You know what I mean? Isn't it crazy? It's, yeah. Like, my school I went to was a small state school in New Jersey called, when I went, it was called Stockton State. Mm-hmm. Now it's like Richard Stockton University. Wow. And when I went, it was like thirty two fifty a credit. You know, right, right, it was right. like, to live there and to get meal plan, it was like 2000 Now it's <laughs> now it's like 20000 I'm, I'm like, sure it's I'm like, like that. Cra- and that's a state school. But it was, uh, it was a fun, hip school to go in. There was a lot of drugs. And uh, that's where I did a radio show. I had my own radio, comedy radio show. So I had to come up with an hour of comedy each week. Now, what did you do in that show? It's very similar to my podcast. I bet you haven't heard my podcast yet because nobody has except for maybe my mom and two of her friends. I looked. I, okay, no, you know what's funny? I because I went to your website today because you're coming on, and I saw because you go to SoundCloud for your podcast or iTunes or Stitcher. And I looked at you. You put them up like every because your latest last one was like seven hours ago. Or no, no, or you did one like I you, do. I do every Tuesday usually uh, a fifteen minute. It's all sketches. Okay, and it's usually just me playing many characters, arguing with myself, but it's fast. Because I wanted it to, I wanted people to be like, that was fun. You know what I mean? I didn't want people to be like, look how cute he was doing an Italian accent for 45 minutes. Like, I wanted it it's fast. Like now, Bugs Bunny fast. Now, what's it called if we're looking on iTunes? Or- it's a great title. This is my podcast. I'm sure there's like eight of those out there. But you can go to my website, brianscolar.com, and there's a link there. Or it's on iTunes. This is my podcast. Now, what made you decide to start doing that? I fought it for years. I fought Twitter. I fought Facebook. You fought Twitter? I fought Twitter. I just signed on to Twitter last year. It's a mess. What is your your Twitter? Uh, Brian underscore Scalero. Okay. All caps. Okay. Uh, I was really late. I only have like 4,000 people on Twitter because I started late. I fought it. I was like, in my day, you just had to be funny. You didn't have to be good looking. You didn't have to have momentum. You did. You, you know what I mean? You just, you didn't have to be. Uh, you didn't have to you, do you, social media. You could be whatever. You could be a minority. You could be a woman. You could, you, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? And now it's, now it's like there's so much other shit. You got to be funny all 24 hours a day. You know, like on Twitter and Facebook, you have to promote, you have to call up, you have to deal with all this, you have to constantly think of the next thing you got to do. It's, uh, and I, I don't know, it's too, it's too much. Isn't it weird, because you've done comedy for a long time, and you know, when I when I did comedy, I mean, I was on the road from 88 to 95, right? and I started like headlining the D clubs. Right. But back then, like, even when you were an MC, 
you would go to the show. There would be three of you. Yeah. I worked at the club and uh, comedy cabaret and all the clubs in Philly. <laughs> I'd be booked every weekend. And right. you'd make between 150 and 200 right. which as a, for three shows, you know, maybe more. And you would go, and basically they would book you. Mm-hmm. And you would say, pull out your calendar. You put the date. And what you would do is <laughs> yeah, you would show up. You'd have your little date book. And yeah. then in Philly, the Philadelphia Inquirer and Daily News would have a little listing of comedy shows. And they would have it. And you'd be all excited when your name's in the paper. Right. But you didn't think about anything. You knew you were going to a show. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, you were like, I hope there's people there. And they're going to be, knew, they're there's gonna be people, there's people there. Always packed. And, yeah. and no one. I didn't. And there was no. And, and the funny thing is, back then, there was no social media. And in the Philadelphia area. There was like 14 clubs, so it wasn't mm-hmm. like, I don't know what happened, but for you, it must be weird, because now you're you're headlining. Well, they, they want you to be famous, because uh, I guess you can blame the economy, you can blame the drop, that people don't have that extra income, and if they have the extra income, they're going to save it for the special day. Bob Sackett's coming to town, Tracy Morgan, you know what I mean? They ain't going to go see the guy whose brother had his hand in a meat grinder from Grey's Anatomy, <laughs> you know? So, that's, uh, so you really, it's constant. Like even your even if you have a road agent, they they the amount of calls they have to make on your behalf are it's ridiculous. Then there's also there was a surge in the late nineties, uh, and uh, I would say there's a surge in the past ten years of comics starting. First it was the eighties boom, then there was like a late nineties boom, and then there was there's a boom now where everybody I meet is fucking doing stand up. Right. You know? See, you know what's funny about that? <laughs> I know when I did stand up in Philly, we had our group. I mean, not a group, but we the open micers. And we had some good open micers. It was like Adam McKay. It was oh, Paul Tompkins, yeah. John Matta, myself. Wow. And the class before us was like Keith Robinson. I mean, some killer acts. Love and then, Keith. Then we had Todd Glass. You know, it was one in front of them. Yeah. And the thing is, though, we hung out, and there was two clubs. And we, you know, I was more of a comedy factory out like guy. There's also comedy works guys. And we were friends. Yeah. But we would go back and forth. But it's sort of like, no, this is our club. But we were cool. And there was 25 of us, or maybe. And there's like, and it's weird how comedy has changed. There's maybe four girls. And now there's tons of them. Yeah. And uh, and bottom line was if someone came in and was like, hey, man, yeah, like came in with leg warmers, like I'm going to do comedy because I, I, I want to get a sitcom because I'm an actor. We'd be like, fuck you. You yeah. know, it's like, no, this, you know what this is? This is this is a man. This is like you you do your comedy and you go down to Nick's Roast Beef and you drink beer yeah, yeah, and yeah. you talk about and because we loved it. And there was only a small group and it was and the thing was there's so it's, much more it's stage a, It's a stepping out. stone for most people. And, you know, it was. Listen, I, even Eddie Murphy stopped doing it. Steve Martin stopped doing it. You know, like sometimes you're like, uh, it's it's a great job, and you, but sometimes it is a stepping stone. And then when you don't have to, when you don't have to fly to Wichita to get twelve hundred dollars and get yelled at by the club owner because he his flashlight didn't work and you went two minutes over, and and like you know, like, I would rather be on NBC right now for uh, six months. You know right. what I mean? And just just collect a great paycheck and get treated with respect. It was. It's weird when I don't know. I just it's. Uh, it's still a great job. So I don't. I know we're getting to a negative area. Oh, no, it's not. I'm just no. saying. Well, it's changed a lot. But now for you though, when we going back to when you were in college, when you graduated college, mm-hmm. did you did you automatically start doing stand up or how did you get yeah, into I, this? I, my first show was in '92. It was a pre-show uh, known as a bringer show these days. <clears throat> stand up New York, 78th and Broadway, and a friend of mine from high school, who uh, listen, you know, there's people who everybody's kind of funny, but then you knew you were the funniest guy in your school. And, and and so it's like, so this guy did stand up at a bring a show, and I got jealous. I was like, I was like, why am I waiting? Like, I've always wanted to do this, so why am I waiting? And so then I, I did a bring a show, and then God bless my 100 friends who came out and saw me. Then I then uh, in 90, October 92, I did a, a second show opening for a hypnotist at my college. I tanked so bad, so bad. Like, there wasn't even a noise. And I got off stage five minutes in when I'm supposed to do half hour. It shows you, how, like, what am I doing? Yeah. What am I doing? Yeah. My Your second brand- show ever, I'm doing a half hour? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't know what I was doing. And so I lost my mind for a while. And then I was like, you know what I'm going to get? I'm going to get my own radio show here. I'm going to get my own TV show here. And I, I showed the college. So you got you got a TV show? I had a TV show at college. Then I, So it's like I just showed the college. I was like, how dare you? I know you're all walking around thinking I'm weird and I'm not funny. I'm going to change your minds. And it, I fucking did. Isn't that the worst? Because I would think how college is. Because the first time I got on stage, there was a uh, a contest called Mr. Stockton. Yeah. And and I was a freshman, and my buddies right. who were seniors, two seniors, were like, dude, you are, I used to always a Rick Springfield air guitar. And they go, dude, you got to do this. So I'm like, yeah, but I'm not one of these guys. And they go, do it as a joke. So it was like it was a Miss America contest. So I went as a joke, <laughs> and I did the Rick Springfield guitar. I wore like this ugly suit for the formal attire. Yeah. And then for the, for the bathing suit, I could oil myself and wore these bright orange shorts and i took second 
And I, but it's the first time I felt wow. I was on stage, and it was it was a good reaction. So I was yeah. like, hey, that. But I can imagine if you had a bad set, it's like when because I mean well, that was the second time though. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, but I'm saying though, but when it's your college, it's like you know we get that if we have a bad set when we if we have yeah. at a club and you but feel you, you got to live with them. I know that's what I'm saying. For the so next for the next four years, everyone's probably like, what the hell? Oh, that's that guy. He tried to do comedy, and you're like, shut the fuck yeah, up. And then I'm I went, yeah, and then now now all those guys in the theater department have uh they've like one guy is doing commercials, but usually he was always nice to me. But all the other guys who wouldn't let me do their fucking plays, <laughs> they're all fucking working as checkout guys and fuck or whatever stockbrokers. Like, you know, their families, and they're watching me on Facebook traveling the country and being on TV. And that makes me laugh. But it's like, I wanted the show. I wanted, like, that, that, drew, that drew me more. If anything, I hit on girls who are way too hot for me. I'm an underdog. I, I play, I'm best as an underdog. So the fact that I stunk that bad at that performance uh, and I had to live with those guys for the next three years, and girls, girls, <laughs> I had to play, I had, I had to just show them. And I was an underdog, and I proved myself. And I remember, like, I never paid for a beer in town. I never, like, I got free rent in some places. I, I got a uh, free food after hours at bar. Like, every, this was when in you college start, when you started doing the radio. Yeah, show. Yeah, when I started doing the when I started doing the television show in particular, because that's when people were like, "Man, that's pretty funny." I like, uh, and it was, uh, it was good. So um, I don't know. So then I started doing when I graduated in '95. I had a job at Real Sex HBO. My job was to stand on the corner with a walkie-talkie and let them know when the cops were coming so that they could put the cameras away because if the couple was fucking in a dumpster. And eventually, I worked on the Mark Marin project pilot and uh, on original Comedy Channel. It's called Comedy Channel, not Comedy Central. And so I worked on a lot of play Exit 57, which had Stephen Colbert and Amy Sedaris, and I was an intern. And I was the fat intern with no personality because I was too nervous. Why were you nervous? Because um, whenever I enter a situation... I'm usually quiet. So when I first started doing stand-up, I was quiet at the bar. I was quiet. You know, it's just the way I am. But then eventually, I start talking, and then people stop listening. <laughs> but uh, either way, I forgot what I was saying. Fuck, what the hell was I saying? You were the fat intern. The fat intern doesn't get the work of the writers. The pretty girl intern gets the work of the writers. I was on the fucking truck loading goddamn sodas, handing out jelly beans after a show. It was a horrible. And then eventually, it was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I got a job working with mentally re uh, retarded people, handicapped. You say handicapped, you go, how are they handicapped? And you go, retarded. And then they catch on. But they were retarded. And uh, I worked there for years, and I was able to pay my rent through that. And I just started doing stand-up full-time. And eventually, I was able to pay my rent through stand-up. And I know you've done a lot of acting. Yeah, now, yeah. Now, now, when did you start to go back? When did you, because you said as a child in first grade you wanted to do the comedy acting yeah. i think we we all that was something that you know because you were like bill murray and those guys were gods yeah 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 but bill, now, bill now, murray forgot I mean, well i just if, if you if you have a chance if you have showtime there's a great uh documentary about uh national lampoon it's so damn it i'll have it it's uh, you can probably find it online my parents somewhere. have it i'm gonna have them tape it it's so good i just watched the other day and i it love goes, it it goes like how funny thing is you know you sit there and how close was a fucking genius and no 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 this is uh this was a uh, national lampoon the magazine oh. but they, they they got bill murray and all those guys but yeah, then yeah. they all left and went to snl it was weird yeah. how they all started i have the radio, national lampoon radio hour cds in my car or were they great weren't they they were fantastic and you can get them on your little pandora like i like when i hike i just put that on i go uh, national lampoon radio hour and you got John Belushi, Gilda Randall, a lot of Christopher okay. Guests, so much Christopher Guests. I know, that's I forgot, and it's just amazing. But <laughs> it was great. funny because no, because you, uh, what we were talking about, I don't know, why I got distracted. We were talking about National Lampoon, we were talking about your comedy. Oh, the acting, because we watched those guys. So when did you decide you were doing stuff? When did you start to get into acting? First of all, my podcast is very similar to National Comedy, uh, that one, National Lampoon Radio. Hour. Now I, th I think you'd like that. Now did you did you do that? Did you formulate that because you loved sketch? I mean, we'll go we'll go back. It just happened bit. naturally. But so but so now you do. But no, we're gonna talk about your yeah podcast. yeah. We'll worry about it. I just wanted to say that while we while I was there because I would forget it later because I'm stoned. But you know it's uh it's, it's all right you know it's always yeah it's all right but it's nice. yeah I'm pretty it's, relaxed. It's, it's nice to be it's a nice warm area you can be stoned. Yeah, in. this is very warm. It's kind of like I'm in a womb. Exactly. It's like, First, I was like, I'm going to have a heart attack in here. It's I thought I was having a heart attack because it was hot. No, you know, it's funny. When <laughs> the same seat you're sitting in uh, a few weeks ago, Ed Asner was in there. Ed Asner was in the seat. And he was sitting there, and it was warm. And after the show, he goes, Jesus Christ, it's hot in the studio. Next time I come back, it better be cold. And I went, all right. But I was just cracking up because it was, I don't know, it gets hot in here, but I can't control the heat because the heat's down the hall. Yeah, old people and fat people can't can't control their temperature. I can, and I'm. I'm but you're not fat. But I'm. I, I don't I'm think you're at Asner's age, is what I'm saying. Nah, yeah, he's 80. That must have been great. I I could feel his farts. 
I know you can sit there. You know, yeah, the, I feel the, his front. Yeah, uh, it's the, like Christopher the, Walken with the when he holds the person's hand. He goes, right. "He can die like this." I can sit on whatever he sat and just think and relive all their farts. Well, he, there's been a lot of was, farts. In he thing. was nervous the bike was going to pick it up. Exactly. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great, that's a great idea for a sketch. There you go. See that the guy's farting. See that you're writing your podcast on the show right now. Your next was, podcast. What was that movie called with Christopher Walken? Uh, which one? The one, the Stephen King one. Oh, Dead Zone. Dead Zone. Dead Zone. That's what I was talking about, except with farts. Now, you're acting. You're <laughs> yeah. acting. Now, I know ages ago, you had your own series. I was, uh, I was a, well, I've been on, t- I've been a regular on two network sitcoms, and I've been a recurring on, I would say, four cable shows. And now, one of them was with Pamela Anderson. Yeah, I was a regular on that show called Stacked. Uh, she worked in a bookstore. Everybody remembers the commercial. Nobody fucking watched it, but everybody remembers the commercial. It was called Stacked, and it's about a woman with big tits. So you you think that's the way the show is going to go. But when you watched it, it didn't go that way because it was it's written by Steve Levitan, who's now winning all these Emmys for Modern Family. So people, just because of the name of that sitcom, didn't watch the show. And it's a shame. Christopher Lloyd was great on it. And then, I mean, Levitan also did Just Shoot Me. The guy's, yeah. the guy's got yeah, talent. That's where he was coming from, Just Shoot Me. And, you know? and so now, what was it like? You know, what was it like when you got a series? I mean, you sit there. I mean, it was it was, it was down the, the road a little bit. But I mean, when you sit there, you know, when you are a little kid, did you ever sit there and you know, we all dream. But did you ever sit there? I mean, the first day when they called you and said, and they called back then, it wasn't like emailing. Yeah. If when they called and said your agent or said, hey, you got I, I can remember each thing because you got to remember. It's first of all, it fills me with sadness to talk about the past uh, because I, I'm not getting regular offers anymore. Um, because I'm old and because half the shows are reality shows and because the fat best friend has been replaced by the minority best friend. A million reasons. So it makes me sad a little bit to think about it. But when I, um, like I used to take notes from NBC executives, now I'm taking notes from Wichita Club owners. <laughs> it's really crazy how things have changed. Anyway, well, I remember each moment when I got that phone call, man. When I got the, I got an NBC pile with Tiffany Thiessen. I was sitting in a hotel room on Alameda right over here. My manager called crying because he. Were you living in the hotel? No, it was just I came in town on a test. They flew me into test for the part, and it was by it's by Steve Corn who now now writes Adam Sandler movies and wrote on SNL. So and Seinfeld. So it's like he's like you you got the part, and we both just started cheering. Couldn't believe it. Limo pulled up, drove me to the airport. I, I was I was a ecstatic. And one time, I remember I got another pilot, jumped out of my car, hugged my girlfriend at the time. We just met randomly on a corner. I couldn't believe it. It's like, hey, it's, it's like, it's so hard to get one. Right. And uh, I've gotten four of those calls. I did a pilot for NBC, and then I got the part on Three Sisters. I remember I was standing next to, you know where Louie comes out of the train on Louie? Yeah. That's where I was standing when I got, when I realized I was going to be on an NBC sitcom. Like, not a pilot, a sitcom. They were adding me to the cast. And I was like, ah. I was like, we have two weeks to move. And I looked at my grandma. I was like, you got to help me move. <laughs> right, because it's a big move. Yeah, yeah. And she was just visiting. But it was um, amazing. Then there was the pilot for ABC, and then the fourth one stacked. I literally, it was a test. It was French Stewart, me, David Foley. And uh, I went in, and they did not laugh. And so then I left. And then I was like, I didn't get the part. French Stewart's like, I didn't get it either. And then they were like, Brian, can we see you again? And I was like, oh, God, this is my second chance. I got to do it. So I went in, and I read the scene, and I stopped and halfway through, and I was like, why aren't you fucking laughing? Laugh! And I pretended to choke the president of the Fox, who was this heavyset woman. I was like, laugh! And they all started laughing, and then they liked the scene. Then I left, and I immediately got in my car, and I didn't even put the key in the ignition yet. They called him, like, you got the part. He was like, I liked, I liked the fact that you choked the president yeah, of the Fox. Of course, I was like, that's good. <laughs> But that's why I got the part. Anyway. So. Now, now, you know, you sit there, you know, now, though, you still do a lot of acting. I mean, when you yeah, sit yeah. there, I mean, it's it does a point where, I you know, you said you get sad in the past, but you should also well, feel yeah. blessed because, you know, I, yes. I know. No, but, no, no, I do feel blessed. Because, you, I mean, you you have brought in a lot of joy to a lot of people. And, and that's a lot of times I always say Five. just just getting just getting a pilot is one thing. It's incredibly being, hard. A, I mean, being in a series, I mean, you know how many people, especially now yeah. we're talking about comedy explosion, people aren't ever going to get crap. They're not no. even going to get five My dollars. own friends, my own friends never got one pilot. Much less two pilots and uh, and two TV shows, so it's like I'm very lucky to have had that, you know. Um, it just like sometimes you feel like if you spend too much time in the past, you can't project yourself forward. True. 
And so uh, that's something like I have pictures on the wall of me with Pam, me with Christopher Lloyd, me with Tom Everett Scott, A.J. Lang, or Diane Cannon. And I'm looking at them, and, and I'm just like, oh, those were good days. But they're not over yet. I'm still alive, and I got to have a resurgence maybe one day. I'm still working on it, and I'm, you know, having momentum is helps. The point is um, I don't like to dwell too much because uh, I, I have a friend who has written five pilots for NBC. Two of them got picked up and then got canceled. And when I asked him, I was like, yeah, what do you, what do you, you want to, you need to talk about it? You want to talk? He's like, no, on to the next one, Brian. I don't take any, I don't, I don't stay at all in the past. Like he's afraid of staying in the past because he'll, he's got the momentum right now. And he's absolutely right. When you have a six year momentum kill, you, you don't mind thinking about the past. It actually makes you feel better. Sometimes. Well, I, th- I think also sometimes the past is, and I, I do crack up when people dwell in the past and you see that a lot. You see that a lot in, uh. In comedy, yeah. You see, you know, some of these guys. Oh yeah, it's like okay, shut up. The know? guy, Mr. Belding from Say by yeah, the he's Bell. Been, he's been on the show. He's been on the show. I'll never forget this. He was emceeing. He was doing his whole act was about Say by the Bell, and this is about three years after Stacked. And so he goes, "How do you want to be brought on stage?" And I go, "Stacked." He goes, "But that was like three years ago, guy." <laughs> and, I, and I wanted to say, "Are you kidding me? <laughs> your, your whole fucking life, <laughs> Say by the Bell." <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought it was so funny. I mean, he didn't mean it in a funny way. That's what was actually funny about it. But uh, this is when I knew my career had officially changed. I got off an airplane in Kansas City, and a woman picks me up to take me to a comedy club. And I get in. She goes, do you want to meet my squirrel? And I was like, excuse me? She goes, do you want to meet my squirrel? And I was like, sure. And she opens the cage, and the squirrel runs out and climbs up my face, claws in my eyes, climbs up my face, and then starts crawling around my head in circles. And I was and I had to pretend that it was fine. And I was like, oh, that's great. What's his name? And the whole time I'm like, oh, I'm going to get rabies. I'm going to cut. I have some kind of squirrel aids now. And uh, I, that's when I knew that I went from uh, executives kissing my ass and coming to my, dr- my dressing room and finding orchids and taking girls to Emmy parties and glittery dresses, the two of us, and meeting all these celebrities and having a great time t- and making making money. To now having a squirrel on my face for fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. Now, now, when you made the money, did you, did your life change? Because a lot of people, you know, did yeah, you, it was did, great. Did you get a new car? Did you do? I mean, what did you? No, do? I didn't do that. I knew, I knew. To uh, my family has always been lower middle class, money wise. So I knew to save, and I knew not to buy a house until the show hits the third season, and that's three complete seasons, not these half-ass mid-season shits. Don't buy a house until your show hits third season. I knew that. So, uh, you know, I took girlfriends to bed and breakfasts, and we took trips. We didn't, like, buy flights. We, you know, we drove up the coast. So I, and I took her friends out to dinner probably once a week. I was, uh, you know, I bought pearls for my mom. Um, you know, I did, did nice did things I should. Uh, but then uh, when the writer's strike, so it didn't change my life because the writer's strike came around in 2008, followed by the economy drop. And both lasted a year and a half, so that makes three year a three year kill where there was no work, and there was and you lost your agents and you lost your girlfriend and you lost your money, and you discovered cocaine, and those those three years were fucking that killed everything. So it didn't really get the chance to change my life because I think if I had those three years, if the writer strike didn't last a year and a half, and I had those three years, I could have just gone on to another fucking show after right. Stack got canceled. You know what I mean? So no, it didn't get a chance to change my life. But man, it was fun. I walk past restaurants now, going. I remember, I remember when I used to go in there and be able to eat, and it never even occurred to me to look at my bank statement. Right the next day, you know, it was wonderful. Now I go to Subway, and I'm like, if I put the tip on the card, <laughs> will that come out right away or tomorrow? <laughs> you know now, I mean? now, now you said after those three years. Now, how do you rebound? How do you pull it together? Because you know, it's like in this business, because you're doing well, yeah. I mean, you're working. But I mean, it's a big. You it's find a big the difference. joy. You find the joy back. I mean, what you have? You know, how did you start that? Because I said, you know, you said mm, you had it was to start. Did you want? Did you say I want to get back to stand up? Because were you doing stand up when you were doing that? I was, but I wasn't playing the road. I was doing L A. and New York. And no, I wasn't you, playing the road. Did you like? Because in L A. and New York, you're only doing ten minutes. You know, but I mean, you get to go on the yeah, road. Yeah, so I had to go on the road, and I didn't want to feature because it wasn't doesn't make. I didn't want a middle because it wasn't sense money wise. So I had to call places and work my way into these clubs as a headliner, and I'm coming off two sitcoms that nobody fucking watched. One because of 9-11 and one because it was called Stacked. So I had to eat shit for years. I had to start fresh the way that most people started. I have, it's like almost like a second career now. 
And I can't wait for the third one to fucking start. Right. Yeah. So you started going back to do stand-up. Yeah, I went back to do stand-up. I got a, I did a, I started touring the road. I did co- Late Night with Conan O'Brien, Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson, the Comics Unleashed. I did Live at Gotham. I did Gotham Live. I did a Comedy Central half-hour special. So I just worked my way up and showed everybody, because I never had a comedy manager. I always had a theatrical manager, an acting manager. So, so I never once got any comedy guidance at all. So when you were when you were acting, you really weren't booking comedy because you didn't have a manager. I mean, you just yeah, I just did, I just did local gigs myself. Okay. So the only when you see a new comic has a Netflix special and you go, who is this guy? One word, he's got comedy management. Right. Who called up people and said, shoot his Netflix special, make his Netflix special, put his Netflix. He had you know, he they, they, he was getting comedy road booker. You know, I don't. I never had any of that. I am my own road booger. I am my own fucking uh, writer. I am my own promoter, and it sucks. But you know why I don't want to go that route? I want to do acting. I want to do. I'm still gonna tour, but I'm gonna tour. I want to tour when I'm on TV, so I can demand four grand instead of fifteen hundred, and get picked up by the good-looking intern, not the fat guy in the truck. Right. Yeah, <laughs> they keep sticking me with. So, so what was it like going back and when you had to start creating your act to be a longer act? Because now you said, you know, you yeah, first of all, yeah, you yeah. have to go in. It took a few years. You're saying, hey, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm headlining. So, you know, you got to go and deliver because yeah. cause the problem about comedy is you go in and, and you, uh, you know, that's the problem I think a lot of times now is some people get moved up before they're ready. And yeah, then, yeah, And then they sit there and they go on the road and they meet, they some, they meet some feature who's been doing a road for 15 years and who's just going to blow them off the stage. Yeah. So I mean, how did you start creating your act when you sat there? I mean, when you started sitting there going, okay, I need to get a good 45-minute chunk. How did yeah. you go about doing that? Well, it was interesting. I mean, even if you look at my Comedy Central special, there's uh, there's that's that's the sh- that's the shit I was doing. They, they cut out a lot, but that's the stuff I was doing in clubs. Not on the road clubs, but local clubs. So, like, I, I had to do that material still, even though it had been televised, and write along with it. And some of those jokes are still around I mean, because I, st- I started with the road work so late, you know. Um, I don't know. It just took time. Like, I, w- I would have, like, one joke that would be two, uh, two minutes, and then it would become five. I would find other laughs in it. And that's your job even as an actor. If you look at my performance on Three Sisters, which nobody's gonna because it was on VHS tape. It was right. before the inter- fucking internet. Yeah, but there's, there's clips in my apartment if you want to come over. But, like, they would give me a line. Where do you live? What's that? I played the... Uh, no, where do you live? Oh. Brown <laughs> <laughs> Franklin Avenue. So they would um, they would give me a line, and I, and I would just do the line and get a laugh. And then the more I did it, by the time I got on this, this Pam Anderson show, especially now, you can give me a line and I'll go, I can get four laughs out of this. And that's what, that's what the good actors do. That's what uh, the guy on um, uh, Big Bang Theory does. That's what fucking... Uh, everybody on Everybody Loves Raymond did was find four laughs in one line, and that's your real job. That's that's what separates you from just these guys who stand still on sitcoms, and look pretty, and say in one line, and just and don't get a laugh to the end. You can get four laughs out of it. So it's the same thing with stand-up. The more I did one joke, the more that joke would expand, and I'd find other laughs in it. You know what I mean? That's why. Well, how would you do it for the for the acting when you say you get four laughs because you're still in script? Is it just because you're delivery? I mean, how do you learn that? Is that just instinct I, I, after a while? I think so. That's what happened to me on Sullivan Son. I was like, I'm, I'm like, I might be farther along than some of these. You know, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, uh, I was, I had been doing it multi cam sitcoms for years at that point. So I was like, I know what I have to do here. Like, if you have, um, I'm trying to think of a line, I need a line. But let's say you have a line, and. Uh, there might be. I'm trying to think of an example. Um, Jesus Christ. Jeez, these pretzels are something. <laughs> that, that, that doesn't even sound like a joke, but yeah, it's a great joke. Fuck, I can't. I can't think of a line. If you can, first you can make a face if the to, to build your character so that people know who your character is. And if somebody says a line to you, and you have, you have established that your character doesn't like stuff like that, then you can just stare at them. That's a laugh. And then you say half of the line because there's probably a joke in there. You know, uh, it's probably it's probably four it's probably three jokes in one already, and you just have to stop it. You know, and like or just act. Yeah, like oh God, I'm trying to give a fucking line, dude. That was a hard question to answer without something in front of me. An example. I I, I can't think of a line. Neither can I. Uh, you know, we, we got to think of a. Uh, I, I don't know. Hey, I'll give you an example. This is one. I'll do somebody else that I could. Um, did you ever see the Everybody Loves Raymond, 
where um <laughs> where Robert dates the woman who ate a fly. Yeah. At the very end, he's hanging on the windowsill, and she goes, "You know, we all come from frogs, Robert." And he just goes, "Ah, bye bye," <laughs> and he, he falls out of sight. He most a lot of guys would have just been like, when she said that line, would have just been like. Great, take care, and they would have got a laugh when they say "Great, take care" because they wanted to get out of there. Or said "Bye," you know. But he found a way to get two laughs out of "Ah." He added that "Bye, bye." Second laugh, then he drops out of sight. Third laugh, and he's also got the staring at her when she says that line to him. So he got that's an example of him getting okay. four laughs. For example, Buster Keaton falls down a flight of stairs. Buster Keaton was a fucking genius, and I love him. This is not against him. Laurel Hardy with sound say, "What can we do?" To get four laughs out of that. Well, why don't we just put, why don't we take our time and show Stan, put the bucket on the stairs, and why don't we have Oliver Hardy almost step in the bucket because he doesn't see it? That's two laughs. And why don't we, he almost steps in it again. That's three laughs. Finally, fourth time, he steps in it, and he falls down the stairs. That's four or five laughs from what Buster Keaton would get one laugh on. Right. Well, you know, so it's the same with dialogue. Well, you know, it, it's amazing that you say that because also I've noticed that in different TV shows, you know, when you look at the old Frasers, I mean, mm -hmm. da uh, uh, David Hyde Pierce, I yeah. mean, he would just he would just get three laughs just standing there and, yeah. until he said something. And yeah. you're right, it wasn't art. And you'd watch him, and he's sort of like a Jack Benny-esque type character yeah. Yeah. where he would just sit there. And I mean, I saw one where he was fencing. That when you think about fencing, it's like, yeah, you get a laugh, but it was one of those things where it's hysterical. I think you're right. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's because you have that, you have that timing. I think it's also like for you, now you, it's your confidence because you know you. I mean, you have you're you're an elder statesman. You know you've, you've no, done yeah. this for a while. Yeah. You know when as you said, you know when you did comedy when you were young, we thought everything was funny. Yeah. And now you sit there and when you write something, you can probably sit there and go, you know what? This needs to be better. This it's it's okay. Yeah. It's, and then I think that's what happens. Yeah, that's why it takes longer for me to write a joke. I'm not I'm not as strong as say Louis C.K. or ninety percent of his thoughts come out of the gate already structured. That's pretty fucking amazing. Right. It's gonna be it's gonna take me a year to get a good five-minute bit structured as perfectly as it takes him a night. That's That, that shows you he's been doing it a while, you know? Now, how do you do that? I mean, when you sit there, what's your writing process? When you like, Do you sit there and go... It's different each time. Okay. Now, sometimes I actually sit down and write, um, but sometimes it's coming from conversations with friends. Sometimes it's, it's it keeps changing, and that's what's, that's, what's, that's what's hard to answer that question about. But, you know, I, what I like is... Structuring in the sense of, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. The only way to get people to laugh at this thought is to lead them into it, and then where else can I go after I say the thought? So there's a lead-in laugh, there's the actual laugh on the joke, and then like, what can I, what can I do else do? What I, what, what else can I do with this, with this thought? Can he? And he'll take a thought and he'll break it down from other people's angles. Why the thought was existed? Why you know what I mean? Uh, how people view the thought. What, how that the thought got him in trouble? Like he'll find seven ways to take that thought, and that's great structuring to me. George Carlin had that, you know, and uh, sometimes it takes a lot of also to look at a line and go, "I tried to make this structured for years, and it's not working, and now it's a throwaway line. I'm just gonna it's gonna be a 30 second laugh that I'm gonna throw in the middle of my act, and that's just what it is, you know. It's a uh, it's fascinating. It's there's all so much psychology involved when you look at the audience having to read them. It's so it's, it's a high pressure job. Yeah, I mean, what's it like you for you now? Because you're on the road a lot, and the thing is, it's not like you're just sitting there playing California clubs. You play. I know you go to back to New York a lot. Cause I, I've been there. all over the country in, the, in this, especially last year, way too much. How do you acclimate to a certain area? Because as we say, you know, you're shit in New York. You know, you can yeah. talk. You could go up to New York. Anyone can go up to New York and talk about getting a good sandwich for right. five minutes, and people go, hey, yeah. and, and they'll laugh. It's like when Dom Herrera used to come into Philly when I worked at the company. Yeah, I love Dom. Everybody knew who he was, and they'd be like, hey. Like the whole audience would come to see him. They'd be, hey, Dom, I knew you were in. And then Dom would just feed off that. And that would be, he wouldn't even have to do material. Yeah, he how, just was funny. How do you acclimate? Because you, I mean, I've seen you've been in Edmonton. You've been in Canada. You've been, yeah. you know, I mean, and you go to Vegas. Yeah, which but, Vegas yeah, has to be a different crowd. It's just, it's, you know, in the sense that, like, uh, if they're well-run rooms, if it's an A room, and and they're not fucking maniacs, it then every room's the same. It's when, if you conclude the... There's like in Vegas, there are about ten rooms. Three of them are fantastic. One of them really sucks for sure, and the other ones I don't even go to. You know, um, so it all depends on how it's run. But it's to me, I don't think there's much difference between L.A. and a Wichita crowd and a mid Midwest crowd and a, 
a Florida crowd. I think they're all the same. They still laugh at the same stuff. Sometimes they go to an area and they don't want to hear a religion joke. That's fine, but that's that's rare. I think everybody's the same, and except for New York. I believe it's New York audiences and the country. I find in New York I can I can stop for a second and and talk about something. Uh, I could take my time more in the. I don't know. Man. I just feel like a New York audience is everybody. There are people there from Europe. There are people there from Australia. There there are the the, the low income people. There are the Groupons. There are the, there's the, the wealthy people. They're all sitting there together. There's the college ages. There's the old ladies. There's tourists. It's incredible, you know. And Vegas is like that. But I, I, I actually don't think any... The only thing I noticed is that when I left New York is that I had to start smiling more on stage. That's the ma- the only difference I can really tell you. After People act like the Midwest is some secret code. Like, oh, you, you know, it's, they, they, like, they like dating jokes. They like parent jokes. They like marriage jokes. It's like, well, I just played it. I just played it in Michigan, and it went fucking great. I don't know, what, and I didn't do one marriage joke, okay, one kid joke. So it's like I think they're all the same. Now, how do you think it's, through the years your act has been changing? Do you feel you're growing? Do you feel your point of view has changed? Or I mean, how does that? How do you sit there and is it something you want to strive for? Because I know a lot of comics who did comedy have done comedy for a long time. What they're doing now, I mean, it's true, right. they're still they're still the jokes because we always have those jokes. Yeah, yeah. Keep. But do you feel that your point of view has changed a little bit, or I mean, what's going on with that? Not not in stand-up. I, I think uh, when I first started, it was a lot of shit jokes and fuck jokes. And now it's just like, you know, I, I, now that I'm older, I don't want to offend people. You can always tell a new comic, like, my God, this guy's got a lot of rape jokes. Right. My God, this girl, for no reason, just talked about a black cock when she hasn't. she's never slept with a black guy in her entire life. Why did she just do 10 minutes on black cocks? Because they want to offend. They want to surprise. They want to shock. I don't do that anymore. Um, I don't. I, I don't do that for sure. I'd rather every single person leave. When I see somebody in the crowd not having fun or somebody sad, that breaks my heart, man. I want everybody to go home having fun. You know, that was one thing. People give Dane Cook a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of crap. But there's one thing he said in his special once. He was talking about why he cared so much about the sound being right because the sound wasn't right. And he goes, listen, he goes, I'm, he's like, but are you, the people are like, you just can't hear the sound very well back here. And he goes, but every single person in this room paid to have a good time. And that, that always stuck with me. And I was like, all right, yeah, he's obviously absolutely right. Yeah, I always yeah. think that's true. I always think it's funny. I, I even see that on Facebook sometimes. Like people will people post stuff just to get a rise. It's like yeah. it's like when recently when uh when David Bowie died, you know, everyone yeah. everyone everyone loved Bowie. We all love Bowie. Why are they attacking him on the day he died? And yeah, but a lot of people but said, you know, like I told a story about how, you know, he had a different colored eye, and I was cross. I, I'm legally blind in one yeah. eye. So for as a kid, it was cool. He I was, was always different. wondering. But he, he was, yeah, I was, but he was cool. He was different. And never, but then you see some guy going, "Oh yeah, it's funny that uh, Bowie died of, you know, the Bowie died of what he did to the music world." And it's like, dude, you know, because cancer. He thought he's like a cancer. Wow. I was like, dude, you're an open micer out of you know. There's all these guys wow. who like they're like they're these comics out of like Ohio. Yeah. And they sit there and they they'll go. Hey, they try to be. They try to be offensive, yeah. and it's like you look like a jackass. Because, yeah, you do. Because you know, the people who are offensive, you know, you know, Kinison, you know, people can say, oh, he is offensive, but Kinison wasn't. Kinison was an artist. I mean, he he set his act up, and he was a comic. And yeah. now with social media, it's funny because you can be offensive. Yeah. And I don't know why you because that's Everybody's always attacking gonna, each that, other. It's that's crazy. always going to stick to you. Ten yeah. years from now, you're going to go, oh yeah, you're going to meet someone. You're going to go, oh, you're that douche that made a joke about Bowie. Right, right. I think it has to do with just youth. Like, you remember, uh, like that was in high school how you always got to laugh is by being mean. Right. And so I think that has to do with youth is that they're discovering, they're rebelling against everything that the older people have, including that's what I did. So one of the things older people have is <laughs> common sense and respect and order, you know. And so they, they reject against that too. Fuck it, I made teachers quit. I was a horrible student. I was I was a horrible person, you know. I made teachers quit. How'd you make a teacher quit? I wrote a play about one, and I asked to read it. He didn't know it was about him, so I got in front of the class and <laughs> tormented him for about a half hour. It was horrible. We we had a guy named <laughs> we had a guy named uh, Mr. Gidley, and he always <laughs> shook. He was like old, and he was shouldn't be teaching. And when he would turn around, we'd whip pennies at the board, uh, not to hit him, yeah, just yeah. around him, and he would freak out. And it was sitting there. He finally, and looking back, I'm like. That's that horrible. Was, that that's was just, awful. Yeah, you know, yeah. when you sit there, and when you get older, you sit there and you go, "Man, I mean, you're right." Because then it was funny, but now you go, 
That was God, mean. We're dicks. Like, yeah. like, like if, if I was now and I saw myself then, yeah. I would kick my ass. I dropped fireworks on a family once. They, I was 18 floors up. I knew they were going to burn out before they got to the family, so I knew that. <laughs> so I dropped it on them. And I remember the mother taking cover, the father grabbing the, the little girl and running for his life. And, and, that we, and then immediately when we saw that, we were like, we are horrible people. But I had that ability as a kid. I was very much like Fred Savage on the Wonder Years, you know what I mean? I was a good kid. I wasn't like his brother. I wasn't Jason Hervey. Right. You know? There you go. That's, I can't believe I remembered the name. That's a good recall, man. I, I, I hope he hears that so he knows that he meant something to me. <laughs> he always played the bully in Disney movies, you know? But anyway, uh, <laughs> Jason Hervey and the blonde guy from Karate Kid. Those two guys should do a movie together. Oh, uh, yeah. We, uh, we were bullies. B- Billy Zapka. Yeah, <laughs> they should do a movie together. <laughs> he follows me on Twitter. Does he? Yeah, I, I, like, I, I, I love that guy. Uh, he was great. Hey, he was great in Back to School, you know? Screw you, Melon. Right. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I forgot what I was talking about. You were talking about being a bully. Oh, yeah. Um, the it's still, it's refreshing. I look at Brian Regan, and I go, what he's doing is actually the edgy stuff now. If everybody's being edgy, what Brian Regan's doing is actually edgy then. So I look back at myself and I go, you know what? I did things in high school that were just silly and funny, and they weren't me. And those meant more to me because there's no bad feeling afterwards, like dropping the fireworks on a kid right? You know, like or throwing the pennies at the teacher. Like I remember I'd walk into the library, and i go, hi, Mrs. Garland. She'd go, hi, Brian. And then when Mrs. Garland wasn't looking, I would immediately go out the window. And then run around to the front of the school and walk back in and go, hi, Mrs. Garland. She'd go, hi, Brian. And then I'd go out the window and I'd run around and come through the front door and go, hi, Mrs. Garland. And she was like, what's going on here? Because right. I kept coming through the front door. Oh, that's silly. There's it's no, fun. No, no, no one gets harmed. Yeah, yeah. I like that shit. Now, with the acting, I know you were in the middle a while ago. No, a lot of yeah, the middle. And- now, when you go out for an audition... Do you see, do you run into a lot of guys that you, kind of like, yeah. like, so many people run into auditions, they've been running in for a few years. Yeah. Who, who are some of the guys you run into? Do Nobody like, knows their names. I'm, I do, run into the run into same. Clint Culp? Do you run into Clint Culp or anyone like that? Clint or, Culp. You know him? He's got the red hair. It's, I don't know. He's, he's in a lot of stuff. I run into the same 30 fat guys. Okay. What I'm hoping is they start dying a heart attack soon. <laughs> you know I run into a lot? I uh, People like David Higgins. You know David Higgins? He's been on. I love David. He's, so he's, a, he's a really good guy. Uh, really good guy, um, and he—he's uh, great. He's talented as fuck, and he—I run into him a lot when he's unemployed. I run into him. Um, the, the, you ever see uh, <laughs> the following? Yeah, I love the, the following. first season of the following before the show got ridiculous. Wow, there's another guy in the following. We always right. had him, and there's another guy. <laughs> there's more people following him than we're saving. <laughs> but there was <laughs> there was uh, the blonde, the redhead security cop who chokes on his own gauze. In a hospital, he kills himself. Okay, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. I run into him a lot. Steve, I believe his name is Stephen Rowe. He's a great guy. Uh, there's a lot of just the same guys. And so uh, when, you, when you're like, why don't you lose weight already so we can get a fucking part? It's always the same 20 fat guys. I want to write a movie about a fat actor who kills the other fat actor. That, that's a great idea. In, in the area. Because then you would have all these guys you know. Because you guys, you guys have a. I mean, I've learned this from a lot of. Because I have a lot of character actors on the show. Yeah. When you've been in the beginning, you're very, very competitive. You know, but as you get older, you yeah, sit there, yeah. and when you walk in, it's the same guys. Yeah. At least you know someone's going to get the part. Yeah, yeah. Like someone that deserves it. It's not like mm-hmm. you know you go into a part and there's some gorgeous guy gets it who just does it because he looks good. Yeah. And you're like screw this guy. But for yeah. you, you guys know it's going to be a good person. Yeah, and that that's thrilling. You know. What I hate is when I walk in and there's 20 Asians right. or 20 black guys, and I'm like, why the fuck am I here? Oh, this is clearly a favor. This, this casting director is doing my manager a favor. Fuck this. I hate that, man. Now, has your audition processing changed over the years? Yeah, I've gotten better, which means you work less. If you look at television, less movies are being made. So that means good actors are down on television, or movie actors. And then there's fewer shows being made. So the parts that are left... They just don't want you to say a fucking word. Are you good looking? Can you say the Can you say the line? Don't act. Can you say the line? That's it. Can you not cause trouble? Can you not say this line could be funnier? Can you Can you not come back twenty pounds heavier next week? They don't want you to cause any trouble. Can you get along with everybody on the set? There's no Jack Ben anymore. There's no John Belushi anymore. Where a guy can go in and go. There's no Larry David anymore. Where you can go in and go. This isn't correct. This needs to be better. We're gonna work on this. Uh, you can't do that anymore. And it's like, 
it breeds mediocrity. And so they, I'm actually a better actor now, along with a lot of guys I know, are better actors and actresses now. And they're not getting work. It's almost like they want somebody who can act on some of these shows because they just, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? If the editing's fast, and if it's like a Parks and Rec, which I love, but if it's like, if it's like a Parks and Rec, where the actors aren't good, unlike Parks and Rec, which which they are good, uh, then there's just they'll just the editing will be so fast you can't tell if the guy's acting or not. Right. You know what I mean? And that's it. Can you be? Are you good looking? Can you see the line? Well, I think it also comes to now that there's so many different camera angles. Like back in the day, it was like okay, honeymooners. Here you go. That's it. One camera. One camera. We don't care what's going on. You know what? You have. This room, now it doesn't, This you're in this room, you yeah. need to make it funny. We can't do, oh wait, over the over the shoulder shot, yeah. over this to make it, and you're right, cut it. Yeah. And Or even now, it's like back then, you had to nail a shit in yeah, one take. Right. Now yeah. you can yeah. you can flub it, if you, you can do whatever you want. Even for live TV, yeah. you can redo, you know, they can say, oh, okay, we got to redo the skin. And for the audience, it must suck, because it's like, how many times can you laugh at a certain joke? I'm glad you brought this up, because this is one of my major things that I have learned. And I, I major things. For example, speak, it's all on the topic of mediocrity, beating mediocrity, and being somebody who can stand up for saying, no, this is what, the way it should be. Like, that's why HBO wins all the awards. I was watching, now on Stacked, I, the first take out of the gate was killer, killer. The crowd is really laughing. The performances from all five characters are popping. They're believable, and they're popping. And the crowd's really laughing, real laugh. And then they go, okay, now the director is hired on a temporary basis and doesn't want to get fired at any show. The director's second to the producer, unlike movies. So the director's like, I don't want to get fired, so i got to get every line of this script in the fucking shot, the final product. So now this now these laugh was, these, this laugh was too long. So let's do it again. The laugh was short at that time, and we, we nailed that one line. So what we're going to do is, you know, then it's the fifth take. So I'd be watching Stacked with my girlfriend at the time, who's now dead. She deserved it. And then, <laughs> that's horrible. <laughs> and the take would come on. She goes, that's not what you did. I go, I know. Because that's not what you did. Even on Sullivan Center, the whole time, I was like, that's not what I did. But that's fine. It, it, it doesn't matter. And people are like, you can't think like that, Brian. You'll go crazy. You just, I'm like, no. Larry David thought that way. And that's why he's got the best, that's why he had the best show ever. Uh, uh, fucking uh, Jackie Gleason thought that way. Jack Benny thought that way. That's the way you got to be. You know, if you're a fucking, you know, if, if you if you know what you're doing. So then I watch everybody lose Raymond. And the and there's it, it, there's laughs that are so long and the performances are so perfect, and I go, what do they do different? And I go, ah, that's the first take, because the laughs are a minute long. Right. So I was like, I bet you, Rosenthal, who who, who will be on next week? Ugh. Well, tell him I said this, so maybe he'll fucking hire me or loan me a hundred dollars. That he said, no, we want let's use the first takes, because it makes it more of an event like those honeymooners laughs that are so big and long. And he goes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write short, so I'm gonna take a 42 double page, double, uh, double space script, and I'm gonna make it 38. So there's four minutes that we can just coast our laughs, and the crowd, it'll seem learn of an event. The crowd's not gonna get bored and fake laugh on the fourth take. The performances aren't gonna be fake because it's the fourth time they've done it, done it. It's until when I saw that, and I worked on Men of a Certain Age, and there was a writer next to me, and everybody loves Raymond, who worked on the show, and I said, Do you guys write short? He goes, What do you mean? I mean, were your script short? He goes, yeah, how'd you know? And he goes, I'm a fucking genius. <laughs> but that's... So when you have Rosenthal sits here, you tell him Brian Scalero, who was on a show with Pam Edison and her tits, said you, was a, he was a genius for writing, sh- for for making, for using the first takes. I will. An absolute genius. We were, I was shooting with Bill Macy on Stacked, and then we, we had to do a, to, the take again. He was an old school guy. He was the husband on Maud. And he goes, what? Are we doing it again? And I go, yeah, nowadays they have us do it more than once. He goes, why? And I go, yeah, I don't know. Back then I didn't know. Yeah, it's But he, he was so confused. We have a, we have a few minutes left. Okay. But that, uh, was, that was fun. That's, was that, that boring? No, I like it. That's the way it is. So now now that's the stand-up. Now, now where, where are you coming up? Where are you going to be playing soon? And are, do you, are you getting tired of the traveling? Yes. I This year, some years I'm more of a comedian slash actor, and some years I'm more of an actor slash comedian. And I don't think... An appearance on Conan and being a valet on an NBC pilot and be, having two minutes on Bones is enough to draw me next year. I'm going to concentrate on acting heavily this year and my podcast, but I'm still touring, but just I'm not doing every week of the month like I was. I'm like I'm going to uh, going to Chicago at the end of April. I'm going to 
I'm going to Vegas in May. I'm going to Tucson next month. That's you know a lot of traveling. I just did Detroit, and so it's like I do the places I want to play this year, and then I'm going to concentrate on acting. And now, now, do you are you looking are you looking for drama too, or are you just hanging? I'd rather do drama at this point. Isn't that nuts? Well, no, I think well, I think a lot of times because you've already done comedy, you do stand up, and it's like you know why not? It's, it's it's an easy transition for a comic. I mean, you have the chops, you know what it works. Comedy's not easy, and, and, that's the, not, and the comedy's not even funny anymore. Right. I'd rather audition for a Disney Channel comedy show because the Disney Channel they're at least putting all these beats in there, and it's fun. It's like old school sitcom. Now these comedies now are like, uh, you know, Jeff misplaced the vibrator. Right. You know, it's ah. I watch some of them and I go, you know, I'm sitting there going, holy crap. You know, I'm like, I watch it. And I can't really watch it. I do, though. I, I, that show Superstore is pretty funny. I, I was going to read for it. And then they give the part to Mark McKinney. And that happens to me once a week. What, that they give it to someone else? Mark McKinney, strange enough. Okay. No, then no, they just give it to another person. They give it to a celebrity. They offer it to. I once tested, uh, with almost done, with three guys. And we were all excited. David Faustino, me, the, Greg Valentine. And a couple other people, and we're all competing for this part. We're testing. We beat out thousands of people. And then when the test is over, I call my manager and I go, "Did you hear anything?" And he goes, "They gave it to Will Sasso." And I go, "He wasn't even there." He goes, "Yeah, they just offered it to him." So they offered it to him when we were in the fucking room. And he was like, "Yeah, it's, it, I, it doesn't matter." It, it, that sucks, but you know, but yeah. you know, but things are going to change. I feel it. I feel it too. Because once you get into Cooper talk, your momentum starts. You uh, know? The fact that I'm sitting between the farts of Ed Asner and Phil Rosenthal, yeah. I feel pretty special. And Mackenzie Phillips sat there a few weeks ago. Mackenzie Phillips. Yeah. I always liked been, her. There's been a lot of people that sit, you'll sit there and go, wow, you know, you'll sit there and go, the, the creator of The Shield was just on The creator ago. of The Shield was here. That's yeah, awesome. So man. you're sitting there, you're sitting in a seat, and they all sit in that seat. Yeah. They all sit in that seat. And so that's what I'm saying, because you get the good you're seat. You're going to have to sell the seat, man. I know. I'm sure. I, I, used, I used to have, in my one year, I had all baseballs. I got people to sign. Well, that's awesome. I, I have one that has Neil Bartolos, Gilby Clark from Guns N' Roses, and Raj from What's Happening. And a bunch of other people. Rush for what's happening. That's awesome. Yeah, I would get the ball, and I, I have a, I have a whole year of guests signing it. And there's all like Gregory Harrison's on one of them. What Rock, was Roger's name again? Ernest Thomas. Ernest Thomas. That's was, right. So okay, so now give us all your stuff. So you know this this Twitter is Brian underscore Scalaro, and that's all S, caps. It's S C O L A R O. Do you tweet a lot? Uh, yes. Okay. I, my podcast, I would love to build, not to take away from your audience, because oh, no. it's a completely I, I different it's show. We're all different. It's 15-minute sketch comedy, and it's really juvenile and really nonsense. I'm going to promote it later today. It's called on This my, Is My Podcast. Facebook. It's Thank called you. This Is My Podcast. This Is My Podcast. It's very childish. And you can find it at brianscalaro.com. Or on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. And, uh, you know, I'll be touring if you want to check out my calendar. All you can do is the, the homepage of brianscalaro.com and scroll down. Very good-looking website, too. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, you said that is, last time I was here. I yeah, appreciate it. Because I, I, I notice. I see some websites, and I always sit there. But my new, big thing now is I got to look at the website because when I when I post the episode, yeah. I always like, because my one computer home lets me copy and paste everything, but one of those weird web, web pages with like the blue typing, yeah. I got to sit there and got to rewrite the shit, and I hate that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Like, you know, but, uh, uh, so, well, your, our first interview is is uh, in my press. Uh, oh, cool. On well, my, you got to put this one on, press, too. I certainly will so, there. I'm glad you came back on. I had a great you know, time. Thank it, you for asking. Oh, yeah, so people, go check them out. Go to Brian scalaro.com and you can probably find everything there i mean that's yeah you, everything you, you, you can you can go to twitter i mean you, you link to twitter you right? can also go to my webcam i'll be doing shows later i'm just joking exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been on the internet way too much you today. periscope no i can't think i'm that sure i'm gonna have to do it in five years yeah. but no so go out and uh, he has it's a great site brian scalaro has got audio it's got uh, you know it's got videos it's got all that stuff and uh it's so check it out and so Thank yeah you. and also people go to my website coopertalk.net i have over 470 episodes up there coopertalk.net wow. Also, uh, email me Cooper at CooperTalk.net. Uh, I want to thank Cafe Valet, my new um, mm-hmm. my new sponsor. But people, if you want to, if you know anyone who's interested in sponsoring, send me Cooper CooperTalk.net. You know, just off this show, when it goes, you get 1.2 million marketing hits. And to be honest, I'm played on seven other networks. I have my own app. If you go to the Google Store, there's wow. a Google Play app. So go it. there, go there, and just do that. And uh, yeah, and please follow me on Twitter. It's at CooperTalk. I always post stuff. I try to be funny. Instagram CooperTalk one. That's right. I post some good pictures, and you can find out what my guests are, who, what's going on. Uh, if you have February 14th, Valentine's Day at 10 in the morning, a radio a station called chaoticradio.com, it's with a K, will be playing a Best of Cooper Talk. It's four back-to-back episodes with Nia Vardalos, Gregory Harrison, Alan Ruck, and Mark Brune Jr. Alan from, uh, Ruck. Yeah, and Mark Brune Jr. from... Wheels of uh, Sons of Anarchy. And also, go to my website, StopTheSalt.com. It's my health book, uh, Cooking Healthy, Low Sodium Cooking for One. It's nine, it's $10 on my website, nine ninety five on Amazon. If you go to me, buy it on my website, I make more money. 
I sign it. I sign it. Five cents. I send it to you. No, I make a lot oh, more. Okay, I, I make double the money because well, they there's do no that. middle guy. Because so go this, do that. This, this job is horrible. So exactly. Yes. So people, Steve Cooper, I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, take your vegetables, eat your vitamins. Mm-hmm. I will talk to you next week.